We've grown up thinking that fluoride is that nutrient that can do no harm. And if we don't have it, we'll end up with a mouth full of cavities. It seems no one has questioned that line of thinking or why fluoride was even added to our water supply. That is, until recently. In this episode, we talk with Dr. Mark Barhina, a functional dentist about fluoride. When is it good for you and when is it bad for you? Plus, we outline subtle ways to lower your fluoride exposure. Let's dive in. Today, Carolyn and I are talking about fluoride, which until we interviewed Dr. Berhenna, he is the functional dentist, or sometimes I call him a holistic dentist. Mm -hmm. Until we interviewed him, fluoride wasn't totally on my radar and definitely not as it pertains to mental health. And then... You asked him these questions about fluoride. During that interview, we were talking about oral care and the impact on gut health and everything. Exactly. And I have had a real interest in fluoride. It's kind of been a concern of mine the past few years. And so I said, what about fluoride? And then he went and opened up like basically the Hoover Dam of information about fluoride. And I want to give everybody a little bit of a spoiler because if they've gotten this far and they're like, eh, I don't know that I want to listen to this. Mark my words. Dr. Berhenna said that he thinks that in the next few years, fluoride will be the new lead. As in like when we worry about lead exposure... He thinks that fluoride is going to be that. Yes. Yeah. So, but, and maybe you don't have a clear answer for this, Carolyn, but like, why have you been concerned about fluoride? Like, what was your perspective on it? This is so weird. And again, I'm, now that I'm in my 40s, I'm all into listening to my gut instinct and that kind of stuff. But I remember going as a child and like as a teenager to our family dentist and just dreading beforehand doing that fluoride rinse that you have to like hold in your mouth. It's super concentrated fluoride and you like you have to stand over the sink and hold it. Yeah, I remember that. I don't think because they do that to our kids anymore, but they probably give me, it to them in some other way. It made me feel really weird. Huh. And it always gave me this weird different kind of headache afterwards. Oh. interesting and so my gut even back then was like something's not right like this isn't healthy like but I never thought I mean I never thought that but that was like my gut instinct and so finally I realized as an adult I can tell them I don't want that (laughs) right exactly (laughs) like hey Carolyn you're dreading it just tell them I don't want that part of the yeah exam you know it's like light bulb moment um (laughs) um and but I really didn't think that much. I thought I just something didn't jive with me in that particular fluoride or whatever, and I was weird and it gave me a headache. Yeah. But as I've been diving more into inflammation over the past few years, and as I've been dealing with my kids' autoimmune condition, which is also largely related to inflammation, everything's connected. It started popping up when I was looking into like heavy metals. Oh. Yes, Um, and I think this is not a correct, exact, correct way to put it, but fluoride seems to um, attract heavy metals, or like if there's lead pipes or metal pipes, it likes to pull those metal contaminants into the water. Interesting. Okay. And so I just started reading. I I just 
I don't know. I, I was just started being a little leery of it. But at the same time, we've been ingrained that you have to have fluoride to prevent cavities. Correct. But I just, I mean, for the past few years, I've been thinking, I'm like, I think I might want to get like that spring water that you have delivered. You know, I hadn't looked at the cost yet. But I, I keep thinking I'm going to do something like that just because I, I don't like it in our water supply. But I was also worried like, okay, if I do this, are my kids going to have cavities? So I hadn't really done anything, but I'd just been a little leery of it. So I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was just a combination of research and just gut feelings and just not being so sure about it anymore. And it, so I thought I'm going to ask Dr. Berhina, did I say it right? Berhina. Berhina. Close enough. Um, About it. And whoa. Oh gosh. Yes. He just. He yeah. has so much great information. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going, it's just a short little clip where he, probably about seven minutes, but it's so fascinating. So we're going to share that where I ask him about fluoride and its safety. We're going to play that. Then we're going to come back and we're going to share just a little bit on the mental, um, the connections between mental health and fluoride that we, we found. And then we're going to give you some tips, some easy tips to reduce your fluoride exposure each if day. If you want to. If you want to. But I think you're going to want to after you hear Dr. Brianna. And probably for your kids. Yeah. All right. Let's play it. Before we, I know we've we've kept you a while, so I want to be cognizant oh, no, of your no, time. No. But fluoride. Can you touch on fluoride? Because I think a lot of people yes. were under the impression that I was for years that Fluoride is 110% a good thing um, and is what keeps us from getting cavities. And, you know, until a couple of years ago, I'd never heard any potential health risk um, other than what we learned in our nutrition undergrad about fluorosis. But they made it sound like very, very rare that that could occur. Yes. You're, up, you're right. Yes. It's made, it's made to be a rare condition and it's actually 46% of the population of kids in this country get fluorosis wow that's not rare is it no last time last time i checked uh and it was on the rise for a while and i i don't know what the latest data is but the um was it the cdc or it was the epa one of one of those whoever's in charge of fluoride in the water epa oh, epa actually, yeah yeah they lowered they lowered the amount that was, I think, early 2000s. I think they they lowered the amount of fluoride in water because it was there was too much and it was causing fluorosis. Mm -hmm. And remember, too much fluoride actually increases your uh, the possibility of getting more cavities. So you know, it's all about dose. It always has been about dose. But here's the problem with fluoride. Um, you know, it, as you said, Caroline. I mean, it it. Uh, it just seems it's first of all it's very ubiquitous and and to the point where you know too much will lead to a little bit of this or a little bit of that what they really should be saying is that it's similar to what we thought of lead and now have addressed <laughs> it causes brain damage i mean to the fetus so any any mom that is thinking of having a baby or is pregnant or has children that are developing up until age 15 16 we can talk about what happens after that, but they should not be ingesting fluoride because it actually is, and there are over almost 80 studies from all over the world that pretty much agree uh, on, on this fact that it affects the IQ of your child by six to nine points. What? And that's a lot. That is a lot. lot. That is a lot. I mean, if you take the bell curve and shift it six points this way, 
I think it's like an increase of by 40% of people that are in the challenged category. I mean, it's terrible. Wow. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that they know it's a mineral maybe, but they don't realize it's a heavy metal um, in that, that category with mercury and lead. Yeah, and it also comes from, I think the big problem is that it comes from, it's a toxic waste of the fertilizer industry. It comes from the top of the smokestack that has a filter on it. Mm. And it's not modified. It gets trucked over and dumped into the water. Wow. At that point, it's very carefully dosed and monitored. But, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like adding other things to our water. Really? How How did that get started? Well, it was because decay was an issue and the food industry ironically, because the food and pesticide industry are very closely linked, uh, Mm -hmm. there was an increase in decay when all the junk food started coming out, the cereals, remember in the 60s, -hmm. Kellogg's, and and all these processed foods, decay was rampant and and increasing. And so someone needed a quick, inexpensive solution, and it was dentistry. I mean, there was a dentist in Colorado in a small town that discovered that kids, even though they all had fluorosis, uh, had it was a, the right amount of fluorosis, it wasn't too much. They had a lower rate of decay than kids in the next town, and they both had the same diet. Oh. And but there's no science behind it; it was just correlation. Mm-hmm. And then in the '60s, they started putting water uh, fluoride into our water supply, and it was a miracle, public health miracle. And it's not there. They, we now know that this is a terrible thing, and that it has to be removed. Uh, and again, it's the new lead, and and all the data now. Is, is pointing to, for example, Hawaii has some of the healthiest kids, oral health-wise, cavity rates are the lowest, and they're non-fluoridated. Europe is non-fluoridated, mostly, uh, 90%, I think. They have a lower decay rate. In fact, it's, it's flattened than wow. we do. It's our diet. I mean, it's been staring at us in, uh, this whole time. I mean, uh, our, the Western diet, which we are the kings of, I mean, we've produced it, we make it, and we promote it, and we ship it, and we export it. It's always been the diet. And that's, again, a root cause in the functional approach. And if that's the case, then why are we adding toxins to our water? That's what I said earlier in this, in this episode. If, you, if you're looking at, at things incorrectly and not seeing the big picture, you're medicating your, your patients incorrectly. And it turns out we're medicating our kids. But fluoride is also in toothpaste, correct? Mm-hmm. And is yes. it in mouthwash? Yes. Okay. So... Yeah. Are we just getting way too much or we don't really need it at all? That is a very good question. Uh, And that is currently being debated in a federal court between the CDC and the um, FDA. EPA, I think, is involved too. Um, And that'll be a very interesting lawsuit to follow. follow. It started right as COVID hit. So I've been watching it, you know, on Zoom calls, and and I, I, it would be a dream of mine if we could get rid of fluoride, uh, uh, and and you can't. I mean, my my grandkids. I mean, they you can filter on a countertop, inexpensive filter. You can filter fluoride out of your water. My kids didn't get fluoride. My three daughters, they don't have cavities, and my grandkids don't get fluoride because we're filtering the water. So it's possible, but it's sad that most people aren't aware of this or will not filter their water and will be exposed to this toxin. And, um, you know, it's, uh, that, that would be, I, I would probably, the day that that happens, I would probably be in tears of joy. I mean, it's, it's really, we've been looking at this incorrectly, but there are some dedicated 
PhDs and MDs and researchers now that have been really pushing this. And if you need more information, go to the Fluoride Action Network. I'll give you that link. They, they have a database of all these studies. It is overwhelming on how many studies there are that support this. Your question, Carolyn, was are we just getting too much or should we not get any at all? That is a really good question. Uh, I'd be more than willing just to decrease the amounts that we're getting. But here's the thing, even small amounts we're finding now have, have are causing problems, kidney problems, um, uh, heavier babies at birth, we have new studies that just came out on that, um, but 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 the the thing to look at is, and again, this is lesser of two evil argument. Mm -hmm. Let's prove let's let's prove that fluoride has no beneficial effect. We've already done that by ingesting it systemically. It it has no beneficial effect, and then of course it has this terrible toxic effect. Topically, that means brushing with it. Uh, or maybe getting it at the dentist, although I have some caveats on that, uh, that does have benefit because it's a very electronegative, as an available electron, uh, likes to covalently bond with the demineralized two structure. But so does calcium. So does phosphate. These are all ions mm -hmm. that like to bond yeah. with, a, with a, negatively, a positively charged surface and, and makes it stronger and makes that, that appetite crystal formation of enamel stronger, and fluoride does that. Here's the thing, though. There's something better out there, hydroxyapatite, which is a biomimetic material. It is uh, natural. It is what's in our enamel already. That's now available in toothpaste. It's been available in Japan for 40 years. It was developed by NASA. Uh, it's been available in Europe for at least 20 years. It's now just becoming available to the U.S., and that's what's in our saliva if you're eating a lot of leafy greens and, and, you know, foods that are high in calcium, it's already there. But if you want to put something in toothpaste that's safer and that likes to bond to the tooth surface, just like fluoride does, and when it does bond to the tooth surface, leaves a mirror-like finish rather than a little wavy finish mm -hmm. that fluoride does when it bonds to the tooth uh, surface, then that's what we should be using. So fluoride is being kicked out. I mean, it's being knocked down in every category. Is it good for you? No. Is it uh, beneficial for you? No. Are there other things out there that are as good and safer? Yes. So I think fluoride, I think its days are, are numbered. And the only question is, is what will our government do? And unfortunately, it probably will lessen the amount first before mm -hmm. we see a complete removal of it from our water. But in the meantime, two things you need to remember. A, you can get rid of it and you don't need it. Well, there I are think other things that will- Also, what yep. people need to know though is you're not going to get cavities if you don't have fluoride. Like people tend to think I yes. have to have it in order mm -hmm. not to get cavities. And I think that's where point. we really need to start. Right. With it our is education. not an essential nutrient. Right. Yeah. It's not an essential nutrient that is needed. We do not need fluoride anywhere in our bodies. Okay. Uh, fluoride. There are ambient levels of fluoride. Uh, in the South, a lot of the wells have higher levels of fluoride. There oh, are maps great. that you can get on the web. You if you're drinking well. from well water, get your well water checked. Uh, so make sure you're not, uh, your tap water could have high levels of fluoride in it. And that's up to the government. That's up to your local government to figure out. If they're adding a fluoride to already high level, I mean, I'm sure they're not, but, you know, look at Flint. Look at look at what's happening now in... Jackson. Is it Oklahoma? 
where their water supply is, and they're recommending you shower with your mouth closed and boil the water? Jackson, Jackson, Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah, Mississippi, right. So anyway, I mean, don't, you cannot trust your, your government, unfortunately. I, I don't want to sound like a, you know, neo-fascist or anything like that. I'm just saying that you really have to find out what's in your water, even if it is tap water. No, the dietitians, we, we've yeah. learned that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I saw correctly, you have a list of doctors that follow more of a functional approach on your website. And again, we'll link that in show notes. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? That would be great. Um, okay. uh, we do. Um, and it was funny because my daughter and I, who created the website, Ask the Dentist, 10 years ago, a little bit more than 10 years ago, uh, we finally realized a few years ago that we've created this problem. We educated the layperson patients on what they should be looking for in a dentist and how they should be expect to be treated and what is the cause of cavities. And, and then they're like, well, okay, that sounds great, but it's, I, I can't go anywhere that where I would get treated this way. I, I would just get the filling filled, but I wouldn't be able to reverse the decay or get my teeth properly whitened or know the true cause of gum disease and keep my pH in my mouth stable so that my, I don't suffer from an oral microbiome dysbiosis. All of that would come off their tongues, but their dentist would look at them and go, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Or they would get shamed, especially with fluoride. Um, so the functional dentists are out there. My solution to that was just, well, let's find them and put them on a list and then steer all those people towards those, those providers. And I think we have a list of about 200. The good news is that that list is growing. Dentists love to treat their patients this way. They're happier. Uh, they go home at night and they feel better. Uh, they're also more immune to Wall Street and corporate dentistry, which is now taking over dentistry, just like it did mm-hmm. with medicine 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And because the patient will, they, they don't look at a list of dentists and pick someone that's close to them. That's the corporate way of doing it. And then and then you're stuck with that, uh, just like you are with our with our physicians, right? Um, they actually seek someone out and then they're loyal to that that dentist for, for life because they understand that they're getting better treatment. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, they're probably saving money as well. So uh, I'll give you the link to that. And that is growing. And, and I'm in touch with a lot of these dentists. I interview them sometimes on podcasts. We just did one on the functional approach to implantology or placing mm. implants. Uh, wow. it's, it's inspiring to see how they look at the patient and how they, I mean, you can, you can throw an implant into the jaw. You can just spin it in there and put a crown on it. And, but then you get implantitis and you get some bone loss. It doesn't fit properly. The patient starts suffering from metal toxicity. Uh, you know, that's not how you want to treat someone. You want to make sure that you're seeing the body as a whole organism. Okay. I do want to make one. I made said something in error early in his interview, and I said that fluoride is a heavy metal. It is not a heavy metal, but that is kind of how it's been categorized in a lot of the health studies I've looked at, similar to, like, contaminants like lead and mercury and that kind of thing. And then, uh, as I mentioned earlier, fluorinated water tends to attract more metal contaminants. So just want to make that clear. Well, and that is... You know, that is a a major exposure that is our, like, uh, probably, I don't know if it's our primary, but it is one of the biggest ways that we are exposed to fluoride is because our water has been fluoridated for so many decades. And, and, you know, and he touched on that 
Um, and it's really interesting. Like, it sounds like people didn't ask many questions. They just did it. Yeah. Like, I know, the more I looked into this, and now I, I may have gone down too far, rabbit hole too far, but it's almost like, you know, like the whole medical and research community just bought into it all. Yeah. Like it, there were these associations. And so they just said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And if you're not in the research scientific world, like you can't just run with associations. Like. Correct. At all. No. Like, no. It, that would never pass muster nowadays. Like it would. Yeah. It would never. Yeah. So anyway. So he talked, Dr. Brahana talked about how fluoride exposure can influence IQ. Right. And it can lower IQ in kids. And there is really, really solid research around that. But the question then that you and I had was, well, what about is there any research? And we didn't we didn't ask him because he doesn't play in the space of of mental health. But we wanted to find out whether or not there were some direct um, if there was research that had any type of either like association or causation or anything as it relates to mental health and let's say this too because our water supply is fluorinated and it's at levels that are probably higher than we need there's the assumption that most of us are getting a good bit more than we need if we're drinking tap water yes so i saw um a level that it was like just i think it was like well, I can't remember the measurement. That's terrible. I think it was like just under one, like a 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8 mm-hmm. or whatever is what is recommended for but dental at- health. But then the EPA cutoff is like less than four. Again, not remembering the exact measurement per yes, whatever I unit, saw, but know, still. Yes, it is. And you have to notify people if it gets to before or above. The dental recommendation is like 0. 0.7 or 0. 0.8. Yeah. The EPA in water um, recommendation is you have to notify the public within 30 days if it gets above four. But I also saw two is considered the max that children should have Mm. for children start to have adverse effects. Yeah. And when I've I've edit some nutrition textbooks and stuff, and so one of them really went into depth that I was doing last summer, and it's... You know, the EPA did reduce the fluoride amount, um, but most cities just stick with what they had. So I, from what I saw, most cities were, you know, one to within that one to two range. Wow. So there are a couple reasons why fluoride in general is concerning. One is that it um, it is believed to be able to pass through the blood-brain barrier. So... There aren't many things that do that. No. Uh, but also when they and can, it, it really... It, it's when it's a, good things that can pass through, it's great. Yes. When it's bad things, it's bad. It's bad, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know that it's going to have that much more of an effect, right, on your brain. The other thing is that with with kids... So developing brains, the research says that developing brains are a lot more susceptible to damage from fluoride than, like, quote-unquote mature brains, so adult brains. So we have that. But then also when you look at how much fluoride our bodies can retain when we ingest it, adults retain a lot less than kids do. So statistically speaking, adults retain about 50 to 60% of what they consume. Infants and children retain 80 to 90%. So that's almost like a double whammy in the sense that like they do a better job of holding on to it. 
or don't do as good of a job getting rid of it, however you want to look at it. And then also their brains are much more susceptible to damage from it because their brains are still developing. Like our brains are, they've, they've done their job. So those like three, to me, those like three things is when I read that, I was like, oh, okay. Wow. That's like, yeah, that's a big difference. Do you ever think just maybe I should have another baby so I can start over and do it all right? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I do. I and then I remember that whole process and I'm like, mm, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, no. I, there's so much more I know, so much I would have done differently. I mean, but whatever. Um, so what did you find specifically about cognition and just mental health? So definitely has an effect on like cognition and IQ in, especially in children, right? And we did find that study that he references yeah. um, and a six to 9% difference or decrease in IQ. That's pretty major. Yeah. That's a big, I mean, that's a, that's an amount that I feel like as a parent, you're like, oh, wow, that can that really would make influence... change my behaviors. Yes. That, yeah. It's significant enough. Yes. That can be medical school or not. Oh, no. It comes back to medical school. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, all right. There really aren't a lot of studies when you look at fluoride and mental health, like single-digit studies, like less than 10. Well, I think there's just now kind of emphasis. What I was seeing is it's so focused on dental health. Nobody has really even stopped to think, whoa, what else could this be affecting? Right. Like, this is good for teeth, but... Is it really good for yeah. other things? Um, the as usual, like the animal studies um, are have a lot more uh, significant findings. So, in mice, they found that just like being exposed to fluoride during critical periods of development, so that right would be like childhood, teenage years, whatever. Um, significantly impacted the brain cognition and learning, but also those depressive and anxious tendencies that that those mice had and then this is a part that was really interesting to me um and also you know just unfair is that there's a difference between the genders so the in the mice at least they found that the males might be more impacted by hmm. fluoride exposure than the females odd yeah Okay, so in humans, like, really not a lot of studies. Uh, there was only one that I saw that looked at anxiety and depression. Um, they they have found – here's that, like, that association kind of situation with the research. They did find that increased fluoride levels in water have been associated with increased ADHD diagnoses and symptoms. So there's a wow. lot of like, yes. But I mean, it kind of makes you wonder with everyone feeling like they have ADHD now, all these kids, I feel like more kids than ever have anxiety. I kind of assume all kids have anxiety now. I, I mean, I, I mean, it just kind of makes you, like I'm not saying. More have anxious behaviors than not in right. my, in my circle. Yeah. Not just in my house. Like, and it, I mean, I'm not saying this is like the one thing that's causing it, but it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of the. I think it's kind of a combination of a lot of different things and I can see how fluoride could be a part of that. Yeah. Well, especially too if you and I were getting it through our water supply and then we then 
contributed to the next generation of children. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like that. It's also like starts in that like maternal exposure. Yeah. Um, so that was really interesting, but again, it's increased fluoride levels in water are associated with increased diagnoses and symptoms. So there's a That's lot crazy. of like, there's a lot of like, how did they measure it? Right. Like they're looking at water levels and then they're looking at diagnoses. And so there isn't a causation there. Then the other study that looked, um, also in, in humans that looked at anxiety and depression, they didn't find an association between fluoride exposure and anxiety and depression-like behaviors. But what they did find was there was a significant association between fluoride levels in those adults' urine, because that's one way they can measure it, and what are called somat- som- somatization behaviors. I can't say that word very well. We talked about this in a previous episode briefly, um, and... Those are kind of like these feelings of like distress or worry around physical symptoms like pain, weakness, et cetera. So it's almost like worry ha- about subtle yes, things. Exactly. Like you have some physical symptoms, some subtle physical symptoms or not subtle physical symptoms, but then you have like some worry or some anxiousness or some stress mentally around those. So they did find an association between that and fluoride levels in their urine but then when they took it a step further to measure like anxiety and depression like behaviors they didn't find a significant association so that could that yeah could there are a lot of factors at play there so kind of to to pull it all together my in my opinion it seems like our primary source of fluoride assuming we don't swallow our toothpaste our primary source of fluoride is our water. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Yeah. And so that's probably where the excess is coming from. Even if we drink a lot of bottled water, um, we're still getting tap water and things we cook. I mean, just produce being washed and, yeah. Well, and also it depends on your type of bottled water. Yeah. Because some bottled water is truly just like municipal tap water. Yeah. That's very true. Um, and has some fluoride in it. Right. They are supposed to list it, but I don't know if that's regulated or anything. But, so let's talk about a few things you can do to reduce your fluoride exposure, if you choose to. Yes. If you feel compelled. If you feel so compelled. Which, truthfully, after all of this, like, I feel more compelled in my children than I do in myself. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. You know, like. That ship has sailed for me in some way. We are the mature brains they are talking about in these studies. We are the mature brains, and we are not making any more mature brains in our body or or development. We're not making any developing brains in our body. So the... These we found some tips, and it was on um, the website that Dr. Burhanna mentions just a little while ago in the fluoride clip. So we will share that with you um, in the show notes. But the number one way is to try to minimize your fluorinated water intake. Um, And tap water is the largest source of fluoride um, for most people. And most all, I think it's rare to find a city that does not fluorinate water. Um, But you can... um, you can avoid drinking fluorinated water 
or you can take the fluoride out three different ways. Probably the easiest is like a water filter. But not all water filters remove fluoride. Right. Um, and like your common ones, um, the ones that are activated carbon filters, which are like your Brita and your Pure, they don't remove fluoride. Interesting. Yeah, you need to get one that uses, says it you, um, uses reverse osmosis, deionizers, or activated alumina. Hmm. And it says all three of those remove about 90% of the fluoride in water. So um, the other option was to get spring water, um, is to purchase spring water. But again, that's another expense. Um, but, you know, ask your distributor, whoever you get it from, for their fluoride levels. Because some water naturally has some fluoride in it, depending on where it came from. So ask for the fluoride levels. Um, and then the third way you can remove fluoride from your water is through a um, water distillation. Um, dist- I didn't say that right. Yeah, you did. Dist- okay. I think distillation. so. Distillation? Distillation unit? You can buy that. It says, I've never seen one. I'm going to have to look for this. But um, you can, it says it works. You can sit it on your counter. It's like a little unit. And you put your tap water in it. It says small countertop units cost as little as 200 while large units exceed a thousand um but they distill the water we're gonna check into that yeah i i definitely want to check into it and i'm curious if some of the water filters that i'm familiar with like a berkey if it counts as you know being uh like if it if it would be one of those filters that actually removes some of the fluoride you just assume like buying a water filter or drinking filter water you're doing great right but i never you i never stopped to think okay what is this getting out what is it not yeah what's in my refrigerator yeah 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 i have a gut feeling about the water in my refrigerator we don't drink it anymore (laughs) 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 and i we won't use the i it yeah anyway Okay, other tip. Um, so the main thing you can do is get fluoride out of your water. Um, and you can use those three ways. Um, second, don't let your kids swallow toothpaste. I mean, that's yeah. easier than said than done. And it, it even said um, there are now some fluoride toothpaste in, like, fun flavors, like bubble gum and stuff. You know, a lot of your yes. kids' toothpaste, early the early ones don't have fluoride. Right. But then now there's some, like, middle-aged kid toothpaste that do have fluoride, and they're, like, watermelon and bubblegum. And they said, really don't buy those because because of the flavors, they're even more tempted to swallow. To swallow them. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I've probably inadvertently really exposed my children to too much fluoride Yeah. via toothpaste. Um, number three, I felt so validated um do not it says not in capital letters get the fluoride gel treatments at the dentist um it says these are only recommended for patients at very high risk of cavities but dentists continue to apply them um and like i mentioned it requires you to clamp down on a tray usually for about four minutes of super concentrated fluoride gel um, but what I remember, too, is, like, your um, salivary glands just start going. Oh, yeah. You know? It's horrible. Ugh. Yeah. Um, and so it's impossible to not swallow some of that gel during those four minutes. Right. And it's super concentrated. Which means you're then swallowing 
a whole boatload of fluoride. Um, Two other ones um, that I'd never really thought about. It says eat fresh food, not processed. And when you can, organic. Um, It says when water's fluorinated, it's not just the water that's fluorinated, but all beverages and foods that are made with that water. And so the more processed a food is, the more fluoride it likely has, which is kind of... That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then this one was really interesting. It said, um, it said, buy organic grape juice and organic wine. And it said, in the United States, a lot of the vineyards use a fluoride pesticide on their grapes. And so the levels of fluoride in U.S. grape juice and wine, particularly white grape juice and white wine, are higher than normal. Holy cow. Yeah. But so um, they're oh, I lower. like this though. Or purchase a European brand. Yes. So it said Phew. if you do it um, by organic, but it said you can um, purchase a European brand. I like it. Yeah. Those yeah. are great tips, though. I mean, they're they're not hard. They're like fairly. I feel like common an everyday thing that you can do they also fall in line with just i mean maybe with the exception of the organic grape juice and organic wine like they you know and the not fluoride gel they really are like good just healthy habits yeah and remember what he said in the interview topical is okay so don't freak out about not getting enough about cutting out all this fluoride in your diet and water you can use it topically in toothpaste. Just don't swallow it. Right. But we are just getting excessive amounts. Yes. And we are getting more, like, it's not avoided altogether. Right. It's just be mindful of where it's coming from and how you're using it. Yeah. So. So, well, here's another thing for me to just, you know. Ruminate on. Ruminate on and freak myself out about. But I, I, will, I will say it one more time and then I will shut up is that it's definitely something that I will be more mindful of in my kids yes. now than I ever well, have before. I think I'm more motivated to get a water filter or to start getting spring water. I've been needing okay. something. I mean, I felt yeah. like I should for a while and this is... Yeah, you needed like that last little push over the edge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alright. Okay. Well, until next week. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor 
at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.